This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. On this day in 2007, two vault managers at the Agricultural Bank of China committed the biggest bank heist in Chinese history. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Greg Polson of the Spotify original from Parcast, Cults. Every week, Greg and I look at a cult's practices, their leader and their followers. He's here to discuss some of the historical aspects of today's story while I'll cover the narrative. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to dive into China's biggest bank heist. Let's go back to the city of Handan on April 14, 2007. Ren Xiaofeng never planned on committing bank robbery, but he was gambling with money that wasn't his. And he couldn't stop, because his personal piggy bank was a literal bank, the Agricultural Bank of China, and the money he blew belonged to the people of Handan. Ren thought he was born lucky, landing a job at the agricultural bank. While other young men his age were struggling to earn their living in the new open market, Ren comfortably watched over their savings in the vault. But as the new Chinese economy started to boom, Ren felt left behind. Then the bank reduced its management numbers, demoting Ren to a vault teller. Ren had lightning-fast fingers, zipping through stacks of red bills with Mao Zedong's face in seconds, and his bosses wanted to put those fingers to good use. That crushed Ren. He envied other men who were now swimming in new money. So Ren turned to the national lottery, the only legal way to gamble in Handan. He was going to get rich quick. But first, he needed to borrow some money from the bank's vault. Ren talked two security guards into going along with his plan on October 13, 2006. That wasn't hard. Both Ren and the security guards landed their jobs through family connections, meaning their fathers bribed the right people, slipping their sons to the front of the line for cushy jobs. On the 13th, Ren unplugged the security system and slipped 100,000 yuan from the vault into his car, which today would be worth the equivalent of about 22,000 US dollars. Ren paid the security guards their cuts, then plugged the system back in. When his shift was over, he drove home with the cash. But this was just the start of the plan. Ren was already a regular lotto player. Now, he used 20,000 yuan from the vault of the Agricultural Bank of China to even the odds. And he won. 
Ren turned 20,000 yuan into 100,000. Ren was born lucky. If he kept playing, he'd turn his pitiful teller's income into a cool stack of millions. So Ren bought another 20,000 yuan of lottery tickets, then another, then another, but nothing was hitting. So he borrowed another 100,000 yuan from the vault, and finally, Ren scored again. This time, it was a juicy 210,000 yuan. That was enough to replace the stolen money. But Ren wasn't stopping. He needed a proper jackpot and a proper partner. Ma Shanjing was a lean, mean country boy. Back when his family didn't have food, he raided nearby villages for their crops. Unlike his brothers, Ma found his calling in the city, drinking all night around the entertainment venues, a local term for brothels. An expensive habit, Ma's father bribed the right people to get his son in at the agricultural bank, right next to his new buddy, Ren Xiaofeng. They were a perfect match, Ren the gambler with a chip on his shoulder, and Ma the hard-partying rake with an eye for shortcuts. Together, they had the only set of keys to the vault. They borrowed 50,000 yuan on March 16th of 2007. Ren did the gambling. This first round was a bust, but no worries. No one was doing inventory for a month at least. They'd just borrow another 50,000, then another. Ren won small amounts, but never enough to recoup their losses. So they kept borrowing. They had a serious problem. Ren and Ma couldn't stop. Their debt to the bank grew into the millions. If a bank official gave even a customary glance into the vault, they'd notice huge chunks like that missing. They needed to replace the money fast. Ren calculated that the vault would be 33 million yuan light for the next inventory count, around 7.2 million US dollars today. He was desperate and made a desperate man's gamble. On April 14, 2007, Ren and Ma stole 18 million yuan. But this time, their co-workers noticed. It was hard not to notice them stuffing millions of yuan into duffel bags. But Ren, cool as ever, assured them he and Ren were just doing their jobs. Taking money was never so easy. Ren and Ma didn't even think of this as a bank heist. Since only so many lottery tickets were printed on a daily basis, Ren and Ma purchased their tickets directly from vendors, cleaning most shops in the city out. They needed a huge payout to simply recoup their losses. If not, they were going down. But with so many lotto tickets in hand, there was no way they could lose. Or so they thought. Up next, Ren and Ma go on the run, and China takes the international spotlight. The internet. What would we do without it? So much information, so little time. And yet, with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark, spooky secrets. Mysteries yet to be solved until now. This isn't clickbait. This is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loie, your evidence expert. 
And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together, we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, blank room soup, or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths, or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from Parcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On April 14, 2007, two vault managers at the Agricultural Bank of China committed the biggest bank heist in Chinese history. And now my guest Greg will walk us through the fallout of the robbery, as well as the once-in-a-lifetime historical setting. Thank you, Vanessa. Ren Xiaofang's plan to strike huge in the lottery, using stolen money from the vault, was guaranteed to fail. Lotteries are designed to reap more money than they pay out. Even with that much money in the game, the odds were overwhelmingly against him. And yet, Ren was lucky. On that first round of gambling in 2006, he turned 20,000 yuan into 100,000. Ren could have stopped right there and gotten away clean. But on April 14, 2007, he gambled with 14 million yuan and won only 98,000. Ren and Ma met that evening. Ren paid Ma 600,000 yuan, worth about 132,000 US dollars today, out of a bag that still contained millions. Then they fled in opposite directions. Soon the whole Chinese government came for its pound of flesh. China had won the bidding to host the 2008 Summer Olympics, throwing itself into the international spotlight. With the country rapidly growing from third world underdog to leading first world titan, China had much to prove. Under pressure from potential terrorist attacks and protests from human rights groups, China had to dig up the budget to turn the smoggy industrial city of Beijing into a beautiful metropolis. The price tag was more than 40 billion US dollars, the most expensive Olympics budget in history at the time. So the country sorely needed money from the state-run lotteries. And from late 2006 to early 2007, the small city of Handan reported skyrocketing lottery ticket sales. On April 14th, officials congratulated Handan for being number one in the country. They didn't know their record lottery ticket sales came from money stolen from the Agricultural Bank of China. And one of the thieves hid among the construction grounds for the Olympics. After parting ways with Ren, Ma Shanjing fled north to Beijing. The city was rushing to turn itself into a gleaming 21st century jewel for the upcoming Olympics, construction that Ma helped fund through his crimes. 
Back at the bank, everybody noticed Ren and Ma were gone. After all, they carried the only set of vault keys. The bosses reluctantly reported the heist, and the police grabbed Ma in Beijing on April 18th. Ren got a little farther. He planned to drive out of the country in a brand new Honda he had purchased, but just like with Ren's other plans, he never stood a chance. The bank heist made national news, and his face was beamed across every screen and newspaper in the country. Worst of all, Ren paid cash for the Honda, out of a bag containing millions of stolen bank money. Police arrested Ren in the coastal town of Lianyun Gong just a day after Ma was taken into custody. The saleswoman who sold him the car reported him, splitting the 200,000 yuan reward with the cab driver and landlord, who also fingered Ren as the nation's most wanted man. Ren and Ma apologized and tried their best to appease the court. Ren offered to consult how banks could prevent this from happening again. The banking industry had lousy security. No one had performed a proper inventory count at the bank in years. It was no use. Both men were found guilty. Worse yet, China was the world's top executioner. Corrupt politicians, swindlers, and spies all got the death sentence, carried out quickly and secretly. Embezzling bank managers received the same treatment. On March 31st of 2008, Ren Xiaofeng and Ma Shanjing were executed for their crimes. Four months later, on the lucky date 888, the Summer Olympics seized the world's attention. Despite the coached audiences, the empty metropolitan city editions, and the lip-syncing child actors standing in for the real singer, who was apparently not cute enough for international television, the age of Chinese power officially dawned. All with a little contribution from its most notorious bank robbers. Thanks again for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Greg, thanks again for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 